the 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 the, the, the reports of what they have done with the money that the government has made available to them in the last eight years of Bari, let's even leave you know the last uh, few weeks aside. So you cannot say you are not involved in the criminality and you have been given the funds, you have been given the resources, you have the, the personnel, you have the power to stop the theft, and you have not stopped it, and you have not sanctioned those that you have delegated to stop it, and you are not admitting to your failure, you have not resigned. This people just take us for fools. They take us for fools because we are so used to accepting the indefensible. I don't take what that, you know, the the position of the Nava spokesperson. Seriously. And I don't think, look, I come from the Niger Delta. How we know the truth of the matter. We can't pretend about this. Any person from the Niger Delta knows that all theft is not possible in the Niger Delta if the military is not involved. And I will say this before anybody. It is simply impossible. And if you are saying that you want the video, let us be video of naval personnel or military personnel directly engaging in all theft or giving security cover to those who are involved in all bunkering. Is that the evidence they are looking for? Well, if that evidence is not available, how about the evidence of the statistics of the theft itself? What is their response to that? What will they tell us is responsible for this theft? And are they saying they are so inefficient that the entire military personnel, the entire forces of Nigeria, the, their intelligence departments, they are not able to investigate or not those who are involved? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Let, let me, it is just one plus one. Yeah. If you are not involved in the theft, are you covering up those who are involved? If you are not covering them up, why have you not arrested them? If you have not arrested them and you are not involved, and it means you are inefficient, why have you not resigned? These are the questions that we must ask them. So I, I would not regard such a response as anything serious. Let me bring in uh, Dr. Nwokolo back. Uh, how possible is it on our waters that about 600,000 barrels of crude stolen every day is being shipped out of this country? Uh, what, I mean, what does it look like? 600,000 barrels. It is not just two jerrycans. It is not one truckload. It is a whole lot of crude that has been taken and on the same channel that everyone can see on our waters being monitored by security agencies in the country. What exactly, how could it be possible? Okay, let me go back to the first background I, I tried to give. And I, I like what Barisepion tried to say. But it's important for us to understand that the failure we are looking at here it's not just the failure of Nigerian military. It's a <laughs> failure of the Nigerian state. Now, in every same country where things work very well, my question would have been, what is the DSS doing? Does it mean that part of their work is internal security? They provide those intelligence around security. So does it mean that the Department for State Security does not know about this? How come they've not reported that the Nigerian military are the ones this, perpetrating this crime? That's on one side. Again, secondly, the Constitution empowered the Defense Corps to guide and protect Nigerian critical infrastructure, which includes the pipelines. So how come that part of our security architecture is not working? Now, let's go to the military. 
Because what I, I, I was trying to say here is that there's a lot of, you know, moral economy around oil theft, which we are, we are when we make all these arguments, we try to overlook them. If you look at Asari Dekoboy yesterday, you could see a man who was talking from a point of moral, moral economy of oil theft. Why? It's like, oh, you're coming to our place to steal oil. Why we are not stealing? Or why you've stopped us from stealing? And that was why I said there's a value chain around this. So because it's a cabal, probably you are part of the part of part and parcel of the military that have been stealing. Now you're no longer part of it. So you've not turned around to say they've been stealing. Were you stealing before? And now you can't steal again. So take it back to your question. I did ask, do we actually know? the quantity of oil that is being produced every day. Most of these things are projection. The country cannot even tell us that they have the right technology like every other oil producing country to say that this day, 16th or 17th of June, uh, June 2023, that 2,000 barrels of oil you know, were extracted. We do not even have that kind of technology. So most of these things are projection. So we've projected that this is what we're going to get in a day. And then we may, we, whether we calculate rightly or wrongly, we'll not say this is the amount of oil that have been stolen. So for me, I still believe that the amount that are being quoted include the ones that the, the, the um, international oil companies have not even declared. And then to your question, it would be highly impossible for those number of um, barrels, you know, to leave the shores of Nigeria without the Navy knowing about it, mm. without the Mesa knowing about it. So that's what I, why I come back to say, you cannot blame the military alone. It's a value chain. A lot of people are involved. How does the government of the day, which is just about three weeks old, break that chain? Is it possible? Or it's, is it an impossible task? So it's possible. And the only way it's possible is for the, the for the for the government to be very transparent about his action which from some of the things they are doing now you can say yes now if you if when president um Tinibu decides to appoint the next minister of petroleum and now give it to somebody who understands the region who understands the industry who understands that the country is as poor as anything that we need the all the right amount of money and then to bring all the stakeholders on board now remember why i equally argue about the the moral economy of oil theft the niger delta region we've not done the things we are supposed to do so because most times because of the terrain in that area you need those people to equally give you a pointer to where things are happening so um it's not something you can only do because you, you need to make some pronouncement. These are the part of the things you need to do because you're bringing all of them involved, in, including uh, uh, folks like uh, Sarit Dakobo. You still need him. You still need Tompolo. You still need everybody on board to be able to have these things sorted out. Mm. So we're having, the government is saying in a few months, some of the refineries that are being fixed will come on stream. Dangote refinery is going to come on stream. 
And if you see the quota of uh, production, Saudi Sea, Saudi Arabia Sea tops in terms of the number of crude that's being produced, but Nigeria still has less than 2 million barrels per day. And this has gone on for several, several months, uh, uh, even or years. Now, the question is, uh, revenue is a major problem. And I mean, either this government likes it or not, it needs to still fix the oil and gas industry. There is the removal of subsidy. There is a thinking of alternatives. And speaking with some uh, petroleum expert, we said, look, the oil, the oil industry is a big cartel. It's a, a, big, a big industry that a lot of uh, deep-pocketed people are involved in. And those who are doing the subsidy racket, there's a lot of money that is involved because Nigeria pays a whole lot of money for this subsidy, but they take uh, this, subsidy, uh, this, uh, this product, take it outside of the country to sell because it is profitable. And they get more than two, three hundred uh, percent of uh, profit on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the product that Nigeria is subsidizing. I mean, uh, revenue problem, if Nigeria is not careful, is going to ruin this country if we don't fix how we can generate uh, revenue. From your own point of view, uh, where do we start from? There is NEMASA, uh, there is uh, the Nigerian Navy, there is the NSCBC, all of these agencies. Where can they start from to getting it right? This racket, how can it be broken down? First, you will start from, let me, uh, I know Kola is going to talk about it. Both of us are political scientists, we're going to talk about this now. Countries where things work are countries where government government as a caretaker for the state does its responsibility independent of the other institutions in the state if you watch what is going on in the states in the in the united states now former president trump is being tried you could see that as as he fights to say that whatever the department of justice are doing or that they are doing the bid or the bidding of um, of President Biden represented by the White House. You could see the White House trying to say, it's not our business. The Department of Justice is doing their own thing. We are not interested in what they are doing. Now, you could see that there is no a kind of collaboration in terms of to drag former President Trump down between the White House, which is the current U.S. government, and the Department of Justice. Now, bring it to our own situation. A situation where the government of the day is as transparent as possible in its dealings is going to rub on, on the military, which we know that if the government is transparent, they're going to come hard on us, or the other agencies of the state will come hard on us if we have found one thing. The same with the police, the same with the DSS, the same with the NEMESA, the same with Ministry of Petroleum. The same with the Ministry of Niger Delta Development of, uh, Niger Delta Affairs. Now, these are institutions of the state. So, once government on its own is as transparent as possible and is not involved, because the situation where these other agencies of the state or institutions of the state knows that the government of the day, which is Asso Rock or Asso Villa, represented by President Tinibu, and people around him are part of, of what is happening in the Niger Delta. 
because one way or the other patrimonialism or prebendalism is happening within the corridors of power and is rubbing on on what is happening in, in the oil sector then those of them who are in the military who have been charged to protect those critical um, petroleum assets will be involved because why should people in the villa could be conniving to steal oil and will be allowing them to steal i will steal myself that's what you're going to see hmm. all right uh let me bring in because i lot love us to talk touch on the bauer the mfla situation these are major decisions that shaped the very first three weeks of the tinubu presidency uh mr ogunamisi a political way to look at is or what way do we go in terms of president tinubu and this administration tackling this issue of uh, of uh, of oil theft because if the navy is talking shouldn't the president be meeting the navy immediately or the chief of defense staff over this matter if this has emerged from at uh, the villa on friday or whatever is going on within the villa i would be surprised if the presidency has not uh, been having conversations with the navy and with the um uh, military architecture in terms of what is happening in the Nigeria based on the information given by uh, Mr. Dokubo. And the president also, even before Dokubo came in, also highlighted the importance of safeguarding um, our facilities. I just wanted to also quickly, you know, sometimes we need to be careful in terms of the kind of task we we uh, we, we shoulder onto our security service. For example, you ask yourself, what's the number of uh, police men and women we have in the country, and we expect them to perform this kind of miracle that they're going to protect lives of and property. In most cases, almost sixty percent of these men and women uh, have been allocated to act as. Um, as Batman, uh, aide de camp for um, music stars, for politicians and their and, and their and their family members. So the expectations are high. Then you go into the Niger Delta. Some state in the Niger Delta is probably the size of a country in Europe. You ask yourself, what is the size of the number of naval officers or the number of uh, military men we have in the Niger Delta? Uh, to protect a gas pipeline that run that cuts across several countries if those if those states were in europe if there is a will to sabotage and community members are involved in sabotaging pipelines if there is a will for local collaborators to uh, point them to where these uh, pipelines are if there are international buyers bringing the ship into our, our coastal area and the military like the uh, first your first guest said it's a it's a it's a value chain you know so to think that there's this magic that you would have the military sort of stop this you sort of asking lawyers to stop corruption in in the judiciary or you're asking civil servants to stop uh, 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 the massive uh, corruption that is going on within the civil service so there is a there is a mass inter inter uh, in, 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 you know, interdependency on corruption that is going on across our country. So it's not just the military. It's in the government, 
among citizens and we just have to look for a turnaround within ourselves that look we want a change so going into what uh, the president needs to do is to just provide leadership if you look at how much we spend on providing new cars for people elected into uh, public office the vast amount of resources we spend on keeping people into in, in government if we can just scale down on that, scale down on the on the vast amount of resources we spend on public officers, it will be exemplary. A policeman will see that there's a sacrifice being made by an elected official. Uh, the custom man who is in the border will see that there is a sacrifice being made by everybody. And then you sort of symbolically reduce the corruption in, in the society. And for Mr. Dokubo, you ask that question, apart from keeping this blame on the military, we already have a strategy in place where we're paying millions of dollars to uh, ex-militias to protect our pipeline. Are we asking them those questions? The answer is no. We are, we are, we are paying people millions of dollars almost on a monthly basis uh, just to stop bunkering. And it's still continuing. So it's a, it's a failure, it's a state failure the state and which is the federal government continues to be weak you know uh private militias continue to be powerful so it's not uh something that could be resolved by just thinking that you would have the military becoming the solution it's it's it's, 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 it's an holistic approach that we need to take all right uh mr Effian, I'll, I'll quickly get to your intervention on this the way forward uh beyond the rhetoric that a lot of Nobody can, there's no gainsaying on how much Nigeria lose every day on this oil threat. Where do we go from here? From your own point of view, what must be done urgently? I don't think Tunubu has shown any seriousness to address the issues at, at this time. Uh, one can say it is still too early in the day. Uh, whether that is true or not, it is left to be seen. We have seen the areas of interest to him. Uh, the suspension of uh, some key functionaries of government, EFCC and CBN, the heads of those institutions. Anybody who has assumed presidential powers uh, and then is genuinely committed to setting this country on a different direction should not occupy a rock for 24 hours without firing the very incompetent service chiefs that Buari retained in office. It, 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 it is simply, you know, uh, difficult to explain why we still have the chief of army staff, the chief of naval staff, the chief of air staff, the inspector general of police, the DJ of SSS. Why we still have these persons in office, despite the wanton insecurity in the country. Despite the failures that we have witnessed, the plague that the Buhari regime had brought on the country, look at the, what they call the banditry. Shehun, the problem we have in Nigeria is the problem of impunity. I don't like Erufai. I don't like his personality or his attitude to governance, but he's an intelligent person. And there is one, one expression he wants to use, which I love to borrow always. He call it policy of consequence. Nigeria lacks a policy of consequence. The reason why these things persist, because I'm speaking to the way forward now, is that those who have responsibility, whether constitutional or administrative or executive or whatsoever, 
when they fail to decide on their mandate and there is no consequence for that failure what you are doing is that you are reinforcing failure or incompetence like you know passenger would say i don't understand why all theft has become so problematic to the economy of the country to the revenue generating capacity of nigeria to the security of the niger delta to even the environmental devastation of my region and yet you have people that have a responsibility to address that and they have failed all we get is excuses so if you really want to reposition the security architecture of the country the moment you subscribe to oath of office and oath of allegiance within 24 hours you should have fired all of them you should have fired all of them look at the antecedents Look at, for example, the why is the IG still in office? Is tenure had expired? Why? Why? What, what is the IGP still doing? The Inspector General of Police. Let me the, the military for a second. Why do you still have the Inspector General of Police in office? Is it on account of any extraordinary performance, or he was so incompetent? What What is the basis for keeping him in office till now? What is the basis? Is it that he has reformed the police? Is it that he has stopped corruption in the police? Is it that he's so exceptional? Why are you retaining him? Because when you say the way forward, I can sit here and make all sorts of postulations. In the final analysis, none of us is clothed with the power of the commander-in-chief, with presidential powers, or even executive powers. I cannot appoint, I cannot fire, I cannot hire. So if you have people occupying sensitive positions in, in the country and they fail to discharge on their responsibilities and you don't send them packing, you don't fire them. What you are doing is that you are telling Nigerians that you have to make failure an official policy of government. And that is why Buhari failed. Because he just did not have the capacity, the mental alertness to punish people who have failed to discharge on their mandates. For me, that is the beginning. If you are coming in to bring change, right? From your the first day you assume that office, they say, "Oh, a new sheriff," because you, you are staying in the villa. At the end of the day, the military works on chains of command. The sergeants, the corporals, the captains, the lieutenants—they don't take instruction from the commander in chief. They have their heads; they are superiors. The commander-in-chief gives directive to the service chiefs and it goes down through the chain of command. So when you have the people heading these institutions and they have failed or nothing has been achieved significantly under them and you don't bring in new people, you don't fire them, we are wasting our time. But I conclude by saying that I do not believe as I speak to you that the Nigerian state is ready to address all theft in the Niger Delta. It has become a very rewarding, a very enterprising criminal. It has become, you know, a productive criminal enterprise, a rewarding criminal enterprise, both from some criminal elements within the region who are also profiting from this. And reference has been made to Tompolo, who was given a contract. Who gave him the contract? It was very regime that sustained the contract. So, has that contract been reviewed? Has it been revoked? So I, 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 we must stop taking, accepting excuses from those 
that have a constitutional obligation to protect us. When people assume positions of leadership, what happens is what is called the social contract. Right? What is called in, in political science the leviathan, where we as citizens repose the right to self-rule on the leviathan, which is now represented by what is called the government. And in a representative democracy like us, where people, someone says, I am the president, I am a governor, and they are saying we have the mandate to take decisions on your behalf. What makes that significant is responsibility. The moment we stop apportioning responsibility on those that have the that are supposed to take responsibility, the entire social structure, the entire social construct will collapse. And that's why Nigeria has become an embarrassment to the world today. Because we have not come to terms as a country with a policy of consequence that when people say things, when people do things, there will be a price to pay. Otherwise, what will make a senator Bulkachua? I'm just setting this as the reference. To stay in the chambers of the Senate and confess that his wife, who was president of the Court of Appeal, had accepted his overbearing influence to favor his colleagues because he knows nothing will happen. Because he knows nobody will be tried. Nobody will be arrested. And it is the same with the oil theft in Inaja Delta. All we hear are statistics. Nobody is penalized. But, uh, Nobody is accountable. Yes. So the solution is the solution is accountability. Let us see people punished for failure. Let us see people being fired for not discharging on their responsibilities. That is the only way to turn the country around. Mm. I wanted to ask you, you touched on something that I mean I discussed on channels and on politics today, and which was what Senator Bukichua said on the floor. And I wanted to ask you, you uh, as a lawyer. Uh, does Senator Bukachua is it protected by some kind of immunity which covers him um, in the in the chamber as a lawmaker? Because what he said, a lot of people have described it as a confessional statement. Do you think that legally speaking, he has some kind of immunity that covers lawmakers from whatever they say on the floor? Yes, he does. If, if let's be, you know, objective about it. Under the Legislative Houses Powers and Privileges Act of 2017, comments made by uh, members of the Senate and the House of Representatives during the sitting and while in chambers are uh, protected speech. It cannot result, you know, in uh, either civil or or criminal liability. So that immunity is there. However, because what he spoke to, I want to make a distinction between his comments on the floor of the Senate and the action that took place outside the floor of the Senate, which he only alluded to on the floor. It's not the same thing. While you cannot charge him mainly on the basis, I don't believe he can be charged mainly on the basis of what he uttered. Because in law, for you to prove a new crime in law, two essential elements must be present. The actus reus, which is the act itself, and the mens rea, or what we lawyers call the criminal intent. What is said, one can say that is the mens rea. The intention has been disclosed, or the criminal intent has been spoken to. 
publicly. But you must go further to also establish the actus reals, which is the act itself. If you must secure conviction, either for bribing a judicial officer or for corrupting, but for perversion of justice, whatever the charge is going to be, it cannot, you cannot ground conviction. That offense will not be constituted in law, except investigation is done to unravel possible particular, there has to be particularity regarding the cases where this inducement may have taken place. There has to also be evidence on the manner in which this inducement was done. Who were the beneficiaries of this inducement? If these things I have mentioned are not proved beyond reasonable doubt, it will be difficult to secure conviction. That is the truth of the matter legally. So the question again is, does the Nigerian state as weak, as inefficient, as corrupt as it is today, does it have the institutional capability to carry out diligent investigation, which will be bring to fore these ingredients that I have mentioned, the things that I have said must be proved. Again, I want to say, so that I'm not misunderstood, that under the Legislative Powers and Privileges Act of 2017, National Assembly members and even other Assembly members cannot be sanctioned mainly on the ways by the, on the basis of the ways they have altered during sittings inside the chamber. But where what they are speaking to relates to what took place outside the chambers, investigation can be carried out to unravel those acts that took place outside the chambers and where evidence is available, it can be prosecuted. And I believe that if Nigeria were a serious country, by this time, Bulkachiwa should be interrogated, should be writing statements, should have even been invited by our law enforcement agencies. The police should have been interested in this. I understand the NBA president has written a letter, even though the position of the NBA, as far as I'm concerned, does not sufficiently address the issue. But how come that we haven't even seen Shehu, we have not seen invitation to Bulkachiwa, the confessor, but, but nobody has invited him. But you said that. To even explain but, but you said what that, he has said. But you said he was covered by law yeah. for whatever he says on the floor. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast. This podcast will return soon.